0: Listening to Old New Borrowed Blue on 2SER with your host, Joel Kassim. What? Hello and welcome to Old New Borrowed Blue on 2SER 107.3. Joel Cassim is my name. I hope you're doing very well and thank you for joining me this week. If you're new to the show, this is where I invite a special guest into the studio and they take the musical reins by playing four of their favourite songs. Alright, let's find out who we've got this week. My guest today has a Bachelor of Science from the Australian National University where she majored in zoology and evolution and ecology. She has also conducted research on marine life from Tonga to Antarctica. Currently a PhD candidate at Macquarie University and with more awards, certificates and papers than you can point a swordfish at, it's Vanessa Parotta. Welcome to the show. Hello,
1: thanks for having me. Thanks
0: for coming on. Um, I feel like my introduction didn't do you enough justice. Can you tell us more about what you do?
1: I do a lot of things, uh, specifically relating to the marine world. Uh, most of my research is on conservation. So... One of the animals I'm looking at in particular are cetaceans, which is a general term for whales, dolphins, and porpoises. And how can we best conserve these animals in our marine world?
0: Right. How long have you been in this field of work?
1: Oh, my gosh. It's like over nearly getting to 10 years now. And I've been studying for, for many, many years as well.
0: Is this something you wanted to do when you were younger?
1: Yes. it was. I always loved whales and dolphins for some reason. I think it might have been the movie Free Willy. I don't okay. know. <laughs> yeah. But I grew up on a farm, funny enough, so there was no whales or dolphins or ocean near me at all. So it's quite an interesting transition now. I've actually followed my dream, which is really fun and amazing.
0: Did you... I think I read somewhere that you actually wanted to be a dolphin trainer yes, when you were I, little. Yes, I,
1: and I actually fulfilled that that dream. It was wonderful and a childhood dream. However, I did want to pursue a more academia, or academic career rather, And it's been great.
0: Which animals do you do most of your research on then?
1: The species I do most of my research on is the humpback whale. And the reason being is that there's lots of them, thankfully, since whaling stopped in the 60s. Off here in Australia, we have a huge number that come past Sydney, for example, each year and I think there's estimated to be around thirty thousand of these individuals. So this population is increasing at around eleven percent per year. So there's lots of these species there's lots of these animals and that makes them a really great candidate for research.
0: Absolutely. I think I think whales are the sort of animal that just everybody loves. So I, I really want to ask you more questions about that. But we do have to start with your music. Um, you've gone with an old song of Fleetwood Mac?
1: Yes, this is a song that is a fieldwork song. I've done some work down at Montague Island, and one evening, I can recall, I was with my other colleague, Dustin, and we were sitting, watching the ocean, and a a storm came through, and this song was playing in the background. It was just perfect. It was bliss.
0: (laughs) This is uh, Fleetwood Mac with Dreams. Yeah, that's Fleetwood Mac there with Dreams, off their 11th uh, studio album, Rumours. My guest today is Vanessa Perotta. Now... I can't think of anyone on this planet who doesn't love whales, and you get to work with them. How, like, Tell us about that.
1: Oh, they're amazing to work with. I remember the first time I saw a whale, one of the first whale-watching trips I ever went on, I was very fortunate to see killer whales. I never never thought I'd be seeing killer whales, and it was a really great experience. But the moment when you see a humpback whale, because they're so massive, they're about 17 metres long at their maximum, and they can get up to 40 tonnes. So it's 40,000 kilograms. But the moment you see this large animal, it's just it's it sounds crazy, and I don't want to sound like a crazy wild lady, but they are so massive, and you see them, and it's such a reality because you only hear them, you, you see them in books and on TV, and then when you see them and you hear the the breath, the <laughs> that's the sound that they make when yeah. they breathe. Um, and yeah, that's just it's so it's it brings you down to reality and just makes you really appreciate the massive movements that they make each year, because they go from Antarctica all the way to Queensland and then back again in a year.
0: Yeah,
1: And that's just a massive journey for a mammal like you and I.
0: Is that why they're so big? Because they have to do so much moving?
1: Well, they're big not only, so their environment is, they can potentially get as big as they want to get. But there is a recent paper, and I was speaking to Dr. Carl about this recently, about why whales get so big. And apparently there's like this threshold of around 500 kilos, because being a mammal like you and I, they need to generate warmth to heat their body. So if they're too big, that might be um, not as efficient. But if they, if they keep a, an optimal size, they can not only live in a very cold to warm environment, Antarctica versus, say, Queensland, yeah, and also they can feed and conduct normal daily living yeah i suppose homeostasis for any biologists out there
0: (laughs) um now do you get to like swim with them or is it just research from a boat how does that work
1: Oh, I'd love to swim with them all the time. Unfortunately, you can't swim with whales in Australian waters. Okay. So we're not allowed to do that. But I have been over to Tonga for both research and also recreational. Um, And in Tonga, it's amazing because you are able to swim with these animals. And the first time I hopped in a water with a whale, there is regulations in Tonga. Some people may not have known about that. So there's about four people that are allowed in the water in one whale guide. And so the moment you hop into the water which is not splashing because some research from my laboratory has shown that if you enter the water with whales and you're really, really splashing and rough and the whales don't really like that. Yeah. So if you enter really nicely and you're in the water and the moment you see a whale, you, can't, you can see this kind of, depending on how clear the water is, you can see this massive dark shade and then as you get closer, there's this whale and you're just, you, wow. Wow. That's yeah. such an amazing moment.
0: It must be. But is there some part of you that this is the most horrifying thing I've ever seen, this giant mammal is right next to me?
1: Well, the thing is, I know how big they are and how the potential for strength. People people get killed by whales. Mm. And people, for example, disentangling whales in fishing gear have, or people trying to yeah, set whales free. Only a few years ago, there was this w- very well-experienced person who was trying to disentangle a whale that was killed by these animals. They're massive. So there's always an element of me wanting to respect their space and obviously being a human going into their environment, there's very much of one that you do need to be respectful. But it was always the tail end that I'm always very concerned about. But they're they're very curious and most of the time it's really good because they're not very aggressive.
0: Yeah, well you say they're curious. Do they... Uh, are they interested in you when you're in the water or are they sort of like, I don't really know what this is. I might just.
1: Sometimes I haven't had that many swims where I've had whale be super, super interested, but that could change. I'm trying to go over many more times in my lifetime. Um, Then there's also other times where whales are maybe with a a mother that has an escort, so a male escort. And he might be like, nope, I don't want you hanging out with those people today. You're going to go on and swim on. Or there's some whales that will come and look at you and then move on.
0: Okay. Very interesting. Now, you're currently looking into whale snot. Is that correct?
1: Yes. How
0: how do you do this?
1: So whale snot, for your listeners that might not know what whale snot is, so if you've ever seen a whale come to the surface of the water because they have to breathe like you and I, mm-hmm. they will get rid of the oxy- CO2 and then bring in fresh oxygen. So that's that visible plume that you see come out of the water. And we're using emerging technologies such as drones.
0: Okay. With,
1: this is custom-built drones uh, with flip petri dishes, which is just like a little container to collect a sample, to collect whale snot as an assessment of whale health hmm. because that snot is not just water. It's a biological juicy mixture of hormones, bacteria, which is what I'm targeting, and DNA, you can collect a lot of information from that.
0: Wow. Before the drones, though, how how would you have done this?
1: Well, if we go back in time, back, 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 health collection from whales was limited to those that had either stranded, in which case these whales were, their health is compromised, or those that were deliberately killed, in which case it's not ethical. Yeah. So then trying to acquire information from free swimming whales, scientists would use a pole, and at the very, very primitive ways methods, So you have a pole and you have a collection device at the end of this, and then you have to get very close in a boat and then extend that over a whale's blowhole. Right. And then collect your sample.
0: And hope for the best. Yeah. Really. Yep. Wow, that is that is so difficult. <laughs> um, I'm quite interested in, in whales and sound because the world as we know it is getting louder. We've got like things like, I don't know, construction or transportation, things like that. And and whales rely on sound so heavily. Does it affect them at all how loud the earth is getting?
1: So it's definitely true that the ocean is getting louder Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of different sources. You've got natural sources such as environmental, massive storms, sea surface, that creates a lot of noise. But then you do have anthropogenic such as human-induced impacts, shipping, um, underwater construction. You've also got such as pile driving. Um, There's so many different sources that are coming into the environment. And humpback whales are low-frequency communicators, so they speak in low tones. If you've ever seen Finding Dory or okay. Finding Nemo. Yes, yes, yes. the whale talking, that is very much true. <laughs> and if there's too much background noise, then sometimes whales will have trouble communicating. In fact, there's some research off the east coast of Australia that has shown that in times of when it's really noisy... Whales will switch to surface-generated noises to try and attract or communicate to others, such as jumping out of the water, known as breaching, or tail slapping, or pectoral slapping, which is their arm, (laughs) to communicate.
0: Very interesting. Uh, We have to jump into your new song now, though. What have you gone with?
1: Yes, so this is uh, the new song, All Stars. This is kind of like a fun, upbeat song that I've heard recently, I think it's been used in many very various promotions for certain brands that I won't mention, but it's really fun and it's sort of like if I'm doing exercise or I want to get really excited about my research, I put it on.
0: Cool. That's all stars there from French DJ Martin Solvig. If I pronounce your surname wrong, Martin, I'm very sorry. (laughs) Uh, Now, Vanessa, you are without doubt the first person I've ever met that's been to Antarctica. What's that like?
1: Antarctica is amazing. I spent 51 days on a ship last year going down to East Antarctica to the Sabrina Shelf for the Totten Glacier. We were doing a lot of oceanographic work. There was a lot of seafloor sea surveying, I should say, rather, yes. and it was amazing. So the first time we were on the ship, we left Tasmania, Hobart, Hobart, Tasmania, and it was 11-metre seas, and I'd never been on a big ship before. Wow. So I woke up in the middle of the night after taking seasick tablets just to ensure, you know, you've got to be cautious there. Mm -hmm. And I just remember I could hear my jacket on the door just swaying because the seas are so massive and I was like, oh, my goodness, wow. So there was about a few days, because it takes about where we were going to, about four or five days to get there. Okay. So it's a lot longer than flying. Right. But the first time we saw an iceberg in the distance, It was, I couldn't believe it. Not only were we outside, but it was starting to get cold now. Yes, I bet. So you can't just run out and just have no gloves on. You had to be all prepared and warm because it's, if you've ever been to places like Canberra, it's so cold in the morning, but it's not, it's got that crispiness to it. It's so fresh. And then when we saw an iceberg, it was out of this world. And then it just kept getting better and better. Every day I'd wake up and there would be icebergs galore. And then the moment I saw a whale in ice, because I've seen these humpback whales off here in Sydney, and that's one thing, but to see them in ice, feeding around ice was absolutely amazing.
0: Was it, there was absolutely no chance of you hopping in the water there? With, no. It, oh, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be very cold and require a lot of equipment.
0: So how do, like, you, you mentioned Tonga before and you've obviously been up and down the east coast of Australia. How does it match to those sort of places?
1: Oh, it's such a contrast. Mm. And it really does give you an appreciation for what these whales go through each year. Because they're very well equipped. They've got a, they're, they're very large. They've got blubber, which is like their insulation or their pink bats or whatever you like to call them. <laughs> uh, and this helps them go through that massive transition. And the reason they are going down to Antarctica is primarily to feed. So they're there feeding up on krill, which are tiny little organisms, they're about a couple of centimetres long and they'll feed and feed as much as they can and then they'll make the migration up north. Probably around this time, the the, the bees starting to make their way up right now, which is exciting. So we'll start seeing them off Sydney from about mid-May onwards.
0: Oh, okay. So it's sort of coming into whale watching season. That's it. Yeah? Yes, very very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Your research takes you all different places. Does it take you anywhere else this year?
1: Yes, I'm going to go to Madagascar this year to look at whales over there, which should be very exciting. In fact, three days after I submit my PhD.
0: Oh, that's exciting. So it's all
1: all very exciting. So there's definitely a deadline there.
0: (laughs) Well, let's talk about your PhD. Can you tell us a little bit more about it?
1: So my PhD is primarily Mm conservation-based, but it's very diverse. So there's, it's all about how can we best conserve cetaceans. As I said before, whales, dolphins, or porpoises, which is a collective term. And from that, I'm drawing upon international examples of where we have knowledge of populations that are very well conserved versus those that we have absolutely no idea about. And in addition to that, we're also looking at emerging technologies for conservation, so the use of drones mm-hmm. to collect whale snot, as we spoke about previously. I'm also looking at a component of citizen science, So using citizens to help collect data, to learn more about whale numbers. And there's a fantastic group off here at Cape Salander, just off Cornell near Cronulla. And they've been collecting whale data for over 20 years. And in fact, there's one observer there who has been watching whales for more than 20 years and is just so dedicated and it's a fantastic
0: story. So how how do these lay people, how do they collect data?
1: Well, they used to do it from a car park. So they'd park their cars on the coast and what they'd do is see a whale and they'd count them. And now there's a purpose-built whale deck there,
0: right?
1: Which is great. And there's some fantastic dedicated volunteers. And Wayne Reynolds is one of them. Shout out to him, <laughs> Hi, who's Wayne. who's been doing it for many many years, and he's wonderful at it.
0: Excellent. Um, and what did you do to complete your master of research back in 2014?
1: It's a really good question. I actually did it there. I, oh, con- right. I conducted my research at Cape Solander. And one of the questions I was looking at was how can we best prevent whale entanglement in fishing gear and so i used to use these devices called whale alarms so they're about the size of maybe an iphone and they emit a sound sort of like a beep every few seconds or so and the idea is that you can place these devices on fishing gear so it makes an acoustic sound so that whales might be able to hear that and go oh there's something there and then maybe swim away from it
0: Oh right, so they, they they don't want to swim towards it if they hear a that's, sound that they like. It's more a sound they they don't like, or it, oh, it's
1: more of a sound that's an alerting sound. Okay. So in the past there has been trials of maybe killer whale sounds that should make them go, oh, there's a killer whale there. Maybe I should move away, or some sort of warning sound. However, the sound that we had didn't appear to make any difference to the whale movements from the from a single gear fishing type scenario like a lobster pot.
0: Right. That's very interesting. Yeah,
1: and very important research because, unfortunately, whales do get entangled in fishing gear and shark nets.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because, yeah, even though they're so massive, it's it's still going to happen, doesn't... And yeah. they're inquisitive. Uh, we have to move into your borrowed song now, Vanessa. What have you gone with?
1: I've gone with the Savage Garden hit. I love this song, Cherry Cola. This is sort of a song that I've borrowed from my siblings and my cousins because... This is a summer song. You'd be driving around in the car when you are younger with your, your brother and your sister, and this song would come on. So it's a very happy, nostalgic song for me.
0: Here's uh, Savage Garden. A bit of Australian pop there. Savage Garden with I Want You. Uh, Vanessa Prada is my guest today. Now, I want you to tell us a little bit about The Breach.
1: Ah, The Breach. The Breach is our very fun science communication, light entertainment, but factual whale (laughs) web series that I've worked with with the National, New South Wales National Parks. Okay. It's so fun and very timely, actually. We should be talking about it. Yeah. Because the whales are coming here next month. The Breach was developed. To basically get people up to gear, ready and check for the whale watching season to learn more about why whales do what they do. So it's a it's a journey that myself and co-host Mansoor take us through, My being myself being the more of the science-y person and Mansoor being maybe someone that m- most of us can probably relate to, the person who, who would like to know more about whales, but he's more of the enthusiast. Yes. He's very fun. Okay, And so the breach is, we had this currently a few episodes up. You can look at my Twitter handle or hopefully we'll, sit, we'll share the link later on yeah, after the show. Sure. And it's a great rundown of whale watching off here, off many of the New South Wales National Parks vantage points to look at whales and learn more about them.
0: It's very cool. Um, you've you've done a bit of TV work and stuff like that, right? Like You've popped up on ABC and how are you finding all that?
1: Fantastic. It's, as a PhD student, Science communication is really important and for any scientist. And over the years, science communication has just exploded. And it's something that I absolutely love and think that it's really important because there's a lot of money that is invested in research. And producing publications is great, but often the lay audience don't really have access to this type of information. Mm. So by talking about your information in a fun and communicating way – that's just great and it spreads the reach and it gets people talking about ideas such as whale snot. And one of the components to this is that I've actually entered in a competition called FameLab, which is a international competition and I'll be speaking at Perth next month about my whale snot research.
0: That's very exciting and good luck to you. Thank you. Uh, and what are you up to next? What's next for you, Vanessa?
1: Next is finishing my PhD. Okay. It's, it's time to wrap up all my research and hopefully do a little bit more on the side. Okay. And can't bring together something in the form of a thesis, which is what many PhD students would be doing right now, or people who've done PhDs. You, you bring together an entire document that summarises your work over the last three years. And that's what I'll be focusing on next, and hopefully... Once I do that, moving on to my next exciting chapter, which is unknown just yet.
0: Yeah, cool. Well, look, we wish you all the best, Vanessa. Thank, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming in here today. Uh, but yeah, we're going to put up a whole lot of links for you so people can see you and, and follow your journey. It's going to be very cool. Uh, you now have to take us out with your blues song. What have you gone with?
1: Thank you. I've gone with a Rufus song. For yes. many people who may have heard of Rufus, he's, they're very, very cool. It's an it's more of an upbeat song to leave on. This song was chosen because it's a blue theme, so it start, it's the, the word ocean is mentioned many times in this song and also this is a fieldwork song because being on the water i used to listen to this song on the way down to antarctica and and basically looking for whales off sydney so it's super fun it's
0: a great choice thank you so much vanessa
1: thank you